Hi, my name's Ali and I'm one of the vicars at St James's in Alperton. This is the sermon for the 2nd of October uh, 2022 and we're looking at 2 Timothy. So I'm going to read the passage first and then we'll explore it. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 starting at verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord give you grace, mercy and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. God, I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lewis, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that is what his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of us, all of this plan, to us by the appearing, plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learn from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So that's 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 14. So in October, we are going to be going through 2 Timothy. We'll be looking at our gospel passage as well, but I want to concentrate on 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy is important. It's an important book because it was the last letter. We mustn't forget these are not books. and Originally, these are letters. It's the last letter that Paul seems to have written from his prison cell. He was killed in about AD 67. So when he was in, in prison, Emperor Nero was on the throne. Emperor Nero was, it seems, driven a bit crazy by the power of the throne. And it starts making crazy decisions. 
So, Rome is under Nero. There's a fire in Rome in, in AD 64, and Nero, in his ongoing craziness, starts blaming Christians and starts lining them up for persecution and beheading. And Paul is in prison within this situation. And he knows his days are numbered. Meanwhile, Timothy is leading the church in Ephesus and he's been there four years. We think it's about four years since 1 Timothy before Paul wrote 2 Timothy. These two friends haven't seen each other since that time. And all this, this oppression, this being in prison, the craziness of Emperor Nero, the, the forgetting and the remembering, not the forgetting, but the missing, forgotten to me, the, of his friend is all piled into this letter. It's important to remember when we say Paul is in prison, it's not like saying Paul is shopping or Paul is away at the moment, Paul is on holiday. The Paul is in prison and it brings a certain shame. Even now in today's society, when someone's been in prison, it's harder for them to get a job. Only 25% of people who leave prison go into unemployment. It's hard because the shame of prison stays on your back. It's like a blanket, hiding Paul and closing down his ministry. Everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, he says in verse 15. And there was, were there rumours about Paul and what he'd done and how he ended up in prison? Of course there were. Most definitely, we humans love a good rumour. This blanket's really important. We're going to come back to it a couple of times. This blanket of shame. I have here a weighted blanket. I cannot. It's seven and a half kilos. And when you put it over you, like this, it stops you moving. You can feel it on your chest and you can feel it on your arms. If you can see, it encases my body. You can see where my elbows are because it just lies against you. And this picture is important because it's a picture of the shame that was lying over Paul's ministry and over Paul himself. It's a shame <laughs> that it's quite hard to lift off. It's really heavy. You can see it's on the video, it's shaking the camera a little bit because it's so heavy. And this is what Paul is living under in prison. Is Timothy tempted to abandon this old man trapped under this blanket of shame? Will Timothy's ministry be tainted by his friendship with Paul? Timothy, well, he's a friend of that man in prison. Might Timothy's life end in chains, like Paul's looks like it might? We know in Hebrews 13, 23, that Timothy has spent time in prison before. So this is a letter from a man at the end of his life and to his son in the faith. Paul is scared that his son will forget him. So he starts, I remember your tears in verse 4. And I remember your faith in verse 5. And I remember your family. Back two generations, I remember their names. I remember laying hands on you, when you at the beginning of your ministry in verse 6. I remember you. I remember you. 
God has made you powerful, loving and self-disciplined. Do you remember now? Don't forget me. Paul doesn't just talk about what he knows of Timothy. He joins with Timothy in verse 9. Christ saved us and called us. We were together. We were in this together. Remember, Paul is alone. So very alone. Don't be ashamed of me, Paul writes in verse 8. Paul's whole life is giving him shame. He is hidden in prison. We see, just like later in verse 17, you had to search to find him. It wasn't like going to Wormwood Scrubs where you just walk up to the big building with the bars and you uh, find that that's your prison and if someone's in prison, you probably find them there. It was much more like searching for someone who's been held, ready to be taken back to a different country. One of these holding places that the home officers use. Which one is he in? We don't know. We need to search and find him. One Siphorus uh, did that, um, and he was so Paul was unable to meet people or speak for himself, or even unable to be found. And people are leaving him. The depression and the sense of hopelessness stuck is you can't, it's like a big heavy blanket, you can't escape it. It's so heavy. So all that Paul has to rely on is who he knows himself to be. Verse 1. He's telling Timothy, he's telling himself, I am chosen and I am sent. Don't forget, his life is telling him he is forgotten and stuck. I am chosen and I am sent. I have a clear conscience in verse 3. He looks guilty. Paul is in prison. He looks guilty. He's being treated as if he is guilty. He's under this blanket of shame and he reminds himself, I have a clear conscience. Verse 9. God saved us and called us and he's chosen me to do something here. Paul's situation is so dire and it will get worse. He is so hidden. He is so trapped under the weight of what the world thinks and says of him and he has no power. No power. And I think we can often feel like this. For my meeting, it's tiny in comparison. I'm often the only woman or one of very few women in a room. And I do find that men will talk for me, will talk of uh, training me to do their job, will talk of, um, yes, that's very interesting, uh, let me have my idea, which is the same as your idea, but I will say it louder and people will agree with it. And then that still literally happens. I think more so in a multi-faith and a multi-cultural way. So I know what this feels like. And I am sure with every ounce of my being that you know what it feels like to feel abandoned, to feel trapped, to feel powerless in some situation or not. So what Paul is saying to himself about where he is, we can put into our situation, we can say of 
ourselves too. So what do we say? How do we live as followers of Christ? What is our truth that sets us free from under this blanket that we do live under? John 8.32 Our truth sets us free. So what's our truth? I look back at 2 Timothy. I'm going to read it this time. Verses 9 to 10. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Paul's talking to Timothy. So he's saying, God saved us, you and me. So we could do this again with God saved you. For God saved you and called you to live a holy life. He did this not because you deserved it, because this was his plan from the very beginning of time, to show you his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to you by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. That is your truth. Right there in verse 9 and 10. God saved you and called you. Paul adds in verse 11, And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. Right then. We, you and I, are saved. You and I are called to live a holy life. So how do we react when we're ignored or ostracised or abandoned or unbelieved or compared? You can speak the truth to yourself and I will speak the truth to myself. Until you believe it more than you believe the weighty heavy blanket lying on your shoulders. You are saved and called. I am saved and I am called. Number three. Verse 3, I have a clear conscience. Any harm that I've done, I will work to repair. However, I am forgiven. Any power in you, if you have done harm, you can work to repair. You have called to live a holy, you are called to live a holy life. But you are forgiven. And so we live that. Verse 1, I am chosen. And he says it again in verse 11, and God chose me. It's important to Paul and it's important to you and it's important to me. What are you chosen for? What reality are you living in? What do you remind yourself of? What are you chosen for? Well, what are you doing? Paul was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. That's literally what he did. He went round and he spoke to people about Jesus. So what are you doing? Anil is chosen as an evangelist. Can't help it, it's just what he does. Hyacinth, Manisha, Lorraine, they are chosen as pastors. Where do you go whenever you feel down? You go to Hyacinth. Where will you find her? Looking after people. Manisha's the same. She cries when people, other people are crying. She feels it and she knows it. Christina and Edna are chosen as prophets. Did they work for that? No, they just do it. Mike's chosen as a teacher. John, chosen as a teacher. Shelley, she's chosen as safeguarding. 
It's just what she does. It's what her eyes light up about. Remember who you are in Christ. What is it you do? Do you love serving? Do you love sharing and praying for people the good news? Do you find your heart light up whenever someone gets a bit more of Jesus? Do you love organising and making things happen? What has God chosen for you? It'll be something you find yourself doing. Remember who you are in Christ. And don't let shame get the last word. Remember this weighted blanket. It does, can help you sleep, because uh, it covers you completely and hems you in. But that's what shame does. It covers us, completely hemming you in, restricting your movement, restricting your call. Imagine being called to share the good news and being stuck in a prison where you are forgotten and cannot be found. You are lost. And yet, at the same time, you can speak. If Paul can speak truth into that situation, then whatever situation you are in, wherever you find yourself, you can speak truth. You are saved. And what you say, I am saved. You are called. Say, I am called. And you are chosen to do good things that Paul, that God has set aside for you to do. Can you say, I am chosen? Let's take off what the world gives us to worry about, what you are not. Guilty. You are not covered in shame. You are not forgotten. You are saved. You are chosen. Let's live our lives reminding ourselves of this truth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your plan for each of us. And the plan is this, that we would know that we are saved. That we would know that we are chosen. That we would know that we are Father, help us, even in the darkest, most oppressing times, to remember your truth for us today. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Have a lovely day, St. James. Lots of love.